Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Lieben, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast, share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Hello, LinkedIn. Welcome, everyone, whether you're watching live and joining us now on Tuesday afternoon or you are watching in replay, please feel free to engage. And you're most welcome to send your questions to us in the comments and we'll engage with you, whether it is now during uh, our time together or afterwards. So today I'm doing something new for myself. I have created a panel with a very diverse uh, a combination of expertise and backgrounds of people uh, to talk about the topic that comes up with every client of mine, which is the health. And I'm breaking down this topic in two subtopics. So we'll talk today about the physical and the mental health as two pillars. And then next month, we'll be talking about the social and spiritual health as well with other guests. So today we're talking about physical and mental health of a leader. Why is it important? How is it affecting you as a leader? How is it affecting your employees and your broader surroundings and communities? And what can you do to actually find the time, shift something in your mind to invest in your health? So we'll be talking about um, strategies, tools, uh, give you tips of what can work. And think about this as the uh, smoker's boat, right? The, uh, uh, the buffet of different things. A, a broad toolbox. And just because you have a whole toolbox at home, you don't use the hammer and the drill and everything there every single day, right? You have different tools for different purposes. And take all the tips and strategies that will be given today as those tools that you know how to use. And then you pick them when it's relevant for you and when it resonates with you as well. And you feel like that will help. So warmest welcome, Henry, Cleese, and Roloff. Let's do a quick uh, around the table to like... It want to send one to two sentences. Present yourself. Let's start with Henrik. Yeah. Hi, and thanks for for letting me join this panel here. I'm super excited about it. I'm Henrik, and I'm CEO and co-founder of Certainly. We are a conversational AI platform for e-commerce. So they use us to chat more with their customers and understand them better and drive more sales. Mm-hmm. And I'm here because, Sorry. other than talking about that, I'm super passionate about how you how you take care of yourself so you can take care of others. And I have on a ton of things wrong, and I'm also doing some of the things right. That's always the most amazing you know, um, guests for me, those who are saying so openly that they have done something wrong, they've learned about it, but they also have the courage to say, hey, I'm doing something right, especially in Scandinavia or let's say in Sweden in particular. Uh, it's quite unusual to say that <laughs> so boldly, right? So thanks for being uh, so open about both parts, Henrik. And yeah, uh, you are in Copenhagen, Denmark. Lise, how about you? Hi, my name is Lise Helsloot. Um, I'm based in Belgium. Um, I'm the CEO and founder of the Belgian hairbrush brand Delphinet Emirates and also uh, of the company Take You Time Health Coaching. I call my, myself the Take You Time Expert. So this is uh, 100% my topic today. Um, uh, self-care is very important to me. I wrote uh, two books about it and th- the third one coming up in June. So um, I'm not new at the topic. So love to chat today. Yeah, I'm l- like looking forward to 
diving into your experiences as well, because you you are helping busy entrepreneurs, busy um, experts and professionals to find that time and, and to find the, the shift that we need in our mindset to actually take you time. Rolf, welcome to the stage. Oh, thank you. So I'm Rolf, and I actually do a lot uh, in, the, in the space of business coaching, particularly for startups, uh, for younger people. Um, I find that I connect in very well with them on that. And also, I guess as part of this story, I am also pretty, uh, I do quite a bit, a lot of uh, physical sports also. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's enough as the intro for, for now. And you're in the Netherlands. So we have mm-hmm. four different countries yeah. uh, from Europe today, which is and with adding in another uh, twist for me because it's also a culture part um, in how different countries in general see self, self-care self and investment into that. So thanks for the interest. I'll put the banner here saying the topic and in, encouraging people to ask us questions. So please, if you're watching us, let us know what, what your insights, what your takeaways, or maybe share your tips about uh, how healthcare and self-care look for you. And let's start with what Henrik mentioned very quickly, that he's done enough things wrong. <laughs> let's start with what we see is wrong and not to kind of bully people or anything like this, but all, but to set the scene of like, it's so relatable and it's actually a challenge for many people. So what are the observations that you are all seeing in the space of mental and physical health that you yourself or, or people around you are having challenges with. Henrik, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I think I can speak for I can speak for myself because I'm uh, I'm not as you guys are helping others in that sense, but I can speak for my own. And I I found that eating a bar of chocolate every evening to just cope and distress that gets something done, but it's much more helpful. For example, to simple trick of getting enough sleep then you're more motivated for doing the thing so i've been i've been through all of it and and um so i think some of the most difficult things you can do is start something from scratch and then build a company or whatever out of it and there's so much pressure and things you need to do and your time and your talents are still limited so you then mm-hmm. you then sort of grasp at the different coping strategies that you have and i've tried to um to change mine from just eating a lot of chocolate and coping that way and, mm. and letting go of exercising and seeing people to actually turn it around to say hey it's a little bit like the um it's a little bit like that thing in the airplane where you have to take care of yourself first and i can just mm. see the positive impact of getting that enough sleep so i can take better decisions during the day so i can be more empathetic more you know better better me towards the people and i can see when i don't when i slip back and i forget to do that i can see the, the result immediately which is really encouraging but also very like <laughs> okay now i didn't i didn't see that old habit sneak up on me and then mm. but then when i when I, I i've become better at realizing it so i can turn it back faster and i think that's one of the key things that you are you're forgiving to yourself and you realize oops i fall back into something i didn't want to do and let's let's change that and move forward Amazing. Thanks. So for you, it was about the eating, right? To get the energy from like, like extra food and maybe the quick carbs to uh, to get through the day. Um, yeah, and it's all comfort food. Right? So, mm. oh, 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 it's been a hard day. Give me a mm. bar of Marabu chocolate and then mm. life seems a little better. Yeah, well, it's a short, it's a mm. short win. Where, where did it start shifting? Uh, when did you realize that that might not be serving you? Uh, 
Well, there's a difference between when I realized and then when I started acting on it, right? Mm. <laughs> I think it's been something like that has been part of me since I was a, a kid. But I think the the recent years I've been better at taking action and be more more observant of it. <clears throat> there's a specific time I remember just before, just just around when COVID ha- happened in 20, and that was the first time I ever started to sleep. Closer to eight hours than closer to to six or seven hours, and then I did one more thing. I exercised in the morning, and that kind of extra sleep and or exercise in the morning was just the biggest change I've ever seen on myself. Because I could then later in the day, when afternoon or evening, Henrik got the craving for chocolate and was not motivated, etc. Then then I was it was easier for me to take take charge of it. So mm. recent, it's 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 the when the COVID started that I, mm. I sort of understood that that has an enormous impact. Then I've been out there preaching to everyone else, just try sleeping some more, just try sleeping some more. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? And we'll get into that, like how you actually made that shift and, and uh, cleared up your calendar for uh, for training in the morning, but also like how did you make yourself go to bed on time and those kind of things. But let's first go into the challenges for the others. So Rolof, what are your observations from your own experience or the uh, startup founders that you are mentoring? Uh, what are the challenges with taking care of the health? Well, first off, I think just, you know, I often go off track uh, with our conversations, so might as well start that now. I think it's good to understand if we agree what we what we understand on, on the health. I mean, physical health, I think we have most of have a kind of a clear picture of what that is. But mental health, I think, is really all over the map. So unless you mm-hmm. kind of define your terms, you'll find yourself, I don't know, discussing any and everything. And uh, so just to, to put my um, spin on it, I think health, and that's physical and mental, in that sense, I don't think you really make, uh, have to make that much of a difference. Really, uh, you can determine or you can put a, a, a measure on health in terms of I think resilience. So the ability, how easily do you cope with, you know, with uh, with situations, with stress, physical stress, and I mean physical, just in the sense like if you're running five kilometers, how well can you do that? You know, how how resilient are you? How well does your body uh, work or absorb that that physical stress? And I think that uh, that mental health also is actually also that's a way of measuring mental health that gives some kind of measure that, that you have something with. Because I think a lot of us think mental health is kind of a sort of happiness kind of state. You know, mm-hmm. if you're feeling happy, then you're mentally healthy. If you're not feeling happy, maybe you're less mentally healthy. So I think it's kind of good to, to say perhaps what is our own perceptions of what we understand under the concept of mental health. Mm-hmm. So I want to take it from the viewpoint of resilience. That's the metric. Uh, that I could use that maybe maybe we have other metrics and we can put them on the table. That's the metric I'd want to use in terms of of, of, of mental health. There. So resilience in this case of uh, issues is the ability to how quickly do you adapt to to actually mentally stressful situations and uh, do you find that you're being able to adapt to to the, to, to those situations easily? Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example. If if your ability to, to sleep uh, is higher, so in other words, because we know health, sleep, and that's, uh, and we're just saying that if you can sleep well and you find yourself able to sleep well 
kind of more or less independently of what's what's what happened that day. That's kind of an indication that you um, that you may be mentally healthier. And of course, there are other things in terms of um, you know how much regret are you have, how much are you living in the past, to the aspect of how are you living into the future or or your current situation. Can you stay focused on that? I think those are concepts of mental health. So what I'm trying to do here, uh, in taking us off road in this discussion, is to move it a little less away from the state of mind. You know, and say, oh, you know, I'm feeling healthy, kind of this sort of maybe I'm meditating thing to a set of behaviors that you actually can track. So, mm. so the question is, do I sleep well or can I sleep well? And coming back to, to, to this question, what the challenges that, that, uh, that I see young people have a lot, it is the, there is just too much on their plates at the same time. Mm. So they try to do, they're, they're, they're trying to, there might be a certain sense of fear of missing out. Um, or it's just the continuous bombardment of being, you know, in your WhatsApp groups. And, you know, so there's uh, this continuous bombardment of, of stuff that's just going on that you somehow get the feeling you have to, to keep, up, keep up with the Joneses. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll end with one kind of statistic that really surprised me a couple of uh, years ago. And that was uh, that my kids, you know, got WhatsApp messages. and I calculated uh, once just how many WhatsApp messages a year they were getting. And I don't think you're going to believe the number. Uh, does anyone want to take a guess? And then I'll give you the number. How many do you think they get per year? I would guess something in tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. That much, eh? Henrik, maybe you want to take a guess? I think Henrik is calculating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, want to say, I want to say something in 10,000, but it's 365 days times X. Yeah, it can usually be around that number. Yeah. At least you're going to go for the, t- the 10,000 too? I'm going to go even higher. Um, I think even on around 200,000 messages. Least, if you see no, all the... Re- yeah. It was over 100,000 WhatsApps yeah. a year. Just going on. That is 300, right? 300 of these things a day. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, I, I noticed that actually my kids got distracted. And at a certain point, they started to opting out of WhatsApp groups uh, just to get this amount of bombardment down. So this is, this is part of, 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 I think, the mental health story is, is just is, 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 is being resilient, but also trying to make sure that you do not get distracted you know, by, by things that are actually not that important. There we go. So it's about resilience and focus. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if focus is the right word, but yeah, but maybe we'll find a better word. But that's right. It's it's uh, yeah. I, I, I love think, it. I think a good word. Can I add? It? I think I think a good word in there is actually the the superpower of prioritization, which mm. is so important when you can build body. It's not so much mm. about focus, but you have to prioritize. And and I I agree with that is. Difficult when you get bombarded with so many things. The ability to prioritize that because then it becomes a you are in control of what you focus on. And then that's an easier space to be in, in my experience. Yeah. Henrik, I'm going to build on that. I think you made a good statement. So I'm going to just try and build on what you said. I actually think it's not the prioritization, but prioritization has, by definition, a kind of ordering of importance of items. I think this one goes to the point where you actually say, some items are just not important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not even a prioritization. It is a discard, discarding of 
certain aspects of inputs of, of, of mm-hmm. life, of behavior, what you just simply say, it's not relevant. So I don't even prioritize it. It's just I just take it out of the equation altogether. So it's filtering and then what's left prioritizing. Yeah. Filtering is, mm-hmm. is perhaps a, a better word than, than mm-hmm. focusing. Yeah. So there is, so I think it's that. It's first filter and then then you focus and you prioritize. I think mm-hmm. that so it's the filter that will take out a lot of the a lot of the the the, 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 the well, literally the, the you know the the cloggy stuff that's that's blocking the your view kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that you went to the definitions and uh, you know that I always uh, am grateful for your (laughs) off-road takings (laughs) or detours or all of. So what I uh, appreciate here extra is that I see that a lot of people use words mental health as in mental health issues. So people only start talking about mental health when they have some issues to, to, to discuss so it's very important to remind that and and i like it's it thanks for you to you for for bringing that up because in my head mental health is just like physical health you can talk about health when you're strong physically and that's the same with the mental health but for many people that that term only comes up when there are issues and they take away the word issues so it's very important reminder that we all have mental health the founder of sanctus io uh, a british company that helps with the mental health in the workplaces that's one of his mottos we all have mental health and it's important to remind it uh, to ourselves so thanks for that detour role i think it was very uh, important one in this conversation so Lise, what are the challenges you see and you have experienced yourself? <laughs> yes, well, first of all, um, I have experienced all the challenges. Uh, if I go back to the stories from, from Henrik and, and Rulof, um, I can relate to your, um, your story about when you, are, when you are on an airplane, you take care of yourself first when there's a, a plane crash, and then you can take care of others. That's one of the things... I work on with my take you time uh, concepts. Also, the chocolate is also about my concept because sometimes we need chocolate and we have to eat chocolate and we have to enjoy chocolate because that can be a moment of take you time. And about resilience, uh, Rulof, resilience is a very nice word. It sounds better in English than if you translate it to to Dutch or any other language, I think. But I think resilience also has um, a strong link with uh, what leaders are about. Leaders have to be resilient and leaders from out of nature, out of their own nature are very resilient. But I have experience going over that line you shouldn't cross. And I think leaders push themselves even further than uh, people who are employees. And when I talk about resilience and about that mental health uh, words and mental issues, I think nowadays it's accepted that some of your employees or co-workers, um, they can say like, I ha- I'm completely burned out. I need a break from work. I need to work less. But as entrepreneurs, as leaders, we often cross that invisible line. And I have crossed that invisible line twice in my life. In my first business, when I was 23, I was running a busy health food restaurant. I crossed the line. I had a baby almost in between servings in my restaurant. I had a baby. Within 10 days, I was working again. And as a lady here, uh, you've had a, a child. You gave birth to a child. So I can, you can imagine that giving. Yeah. 10 really- days later, I, I was not in shape of going around and, and make, yeah. making food and then serving hundreds of people per day. No. no. And that's where, where, I, where I crashed into my own boundaries. Because as a leader, um, you usually have, I think you have 
maybe more resilience or you think you have more resilience. Mm -hmm. And I think leaders are born naturally born with what I call some kind of a bucket. You're born with a bucket and one person has a very large bucket and you can pile on the stuff. You can keep on pouring the water and the tasks and, and all the challenges inside of that bucket. But sometimes even that super large bucket, and I have a large bucket. If you see my life, uh, my lifeline, you will see lots of challenges along the way. But at some point, even that super large bucket seems not large enough for everything that life throws at you. And there's, is, there is there I saw the challenge of finding that balance and knowing when my bucket is almost full and where the boundaries of my buckets are. Because I didn't take care of myself and I almost lost my business due to that. Because if you're not around and if you're the the main person behind your company, there's no more company. If you're a mother, without you as a mother, as a healthy mother, you're not a mother anymore. You can't take care of your kid or or your family or uh, whomever you love. So I think um, that especially leaders need to realize that also they are the employee of their own life and need to see that they also have boundaries and to respect those boundaries. Being resilient is one thing, but you can be over resilient maybe or think you can, you're stronger than you are and you're superwoman or superman. But finding those and knowing your own boundaries and knowing the signs your body gives you to say like, stop. And then I come back to, to what uh, Rulof and Hermann were also saying. It's like the prioritization list is more like, this is what I want in life. And this is what I don't want in life. And that's not about prioritization. Sometimes I just don't do things anymore. I know they are very important, but they don't make my heart, heart tick. It's not mm-hmm. what makes me happy and it's not what I really want to do. So it's more like, for me, it's like saying no and take my take you time concept often goes back to, to uh, female stories because I think women say no even less than men. Men are, I think, in some part the same, but I usually work uh, more about 80% with women and uh, saying no to certain things and saying yes to more take you time is a very important thing, especially for leaders. So Lise, let's let's start going into the tips and strategies and we can continue your story because you, with the restaurant, you had a lot of stress, you had a baby, uh, you missed the, the daycare place, right? You didn't have any for her. So she was literally living with you in the restaurant and that affected your health, right? You you are telling that story in, in, in your books and uh, in all your content that you started losing your hair, for example, you lost 30% or what was it of your hair because of the stress, right? And that was the, uh, the reason for you starting developing the take your time method and um, uh, starting the, uh, the hairbrush business just to do this self-care. And tell us about the first steps that leaders can take when they start noticing when when they have lived enough with this realization what Henrik talked about yes there is a point of starting to realize things but then of course there usually there is some quite some timeline until you start taking actions on that so when people have lived enough with the realization and they start getting ready for taking action what would you say are the first steps to or like cornerstone habits to change okay well first of all I think uh, all of us leaders and entrepreneurs have to stop living from weekend to weekend and holiday to holiday. I think if you're if you have that kind of lifestyle, and I hear that all around me, I'm living up to the next weekend or the next holiday I have with my family. 
how do you do that? That is being living from holiday to holiday is already a sign that you are doing too much. And I know as an entrepreneur, you have to work a lot in the beginning. If you do, a, if you start up a new company, you have to put in the work. But at a certain point, you have to start living as an employee in your own company, saying like, "I work from this time till this time, and I don't work any longer." And then you have to find a way, try to find a way to delegate, to eliminate things, um, to don't put them on the the to do list anymore. Because you have to start living a normal life to take care of yourself. And um, at the moment you're, you're starting to feel like this is too much and I'm exhausted and I keep on going. I'm in that hamster wheel. That is already the sign where you have to already take action before you crash. Mm-hmm. And to see, to work, I think working with someone who sees those boundaries faster than you can see yourself is a good mm-hmm. thing, but also you don't even need a coach for that. Just listen to people around you that love you. They will tell, they will give you the signs that you need to stop or that you have to listen to, or maybe some, some stuff happens. You have an accident, you fall from the stairs, you have a car accident. It's usually a sign from above that you have to stop. Hey, Genius Leader, I'm chiming in here quickly to ask you to do one thing for me. If you're enjoying this episode, share it with one person who you think would find it valuable as well. Let's spread the goodness together so that more people can play within their zone of genius. I would like to share a story that uh, really resonates when you say that we should really see ourselves as employees in our business as well. We're not only an employer. And I have one of my ex-leaders back in my consultancy times, Eric. He taught me one of the biggest leadership lessons. Uh, and that actually goes together with a comment that I'll just put here from Daniel, who is uh, tuning in now. He's writing, it can be quite a challenge to practice our leadership skills on ourselves and start leading ourselves in the same way we have led others for years. And my story with Eric, my consultancy manager, so in the consultancy world, uh, the consultants need to bring in money, right? And uh, as you need to bill for as many of your work hours as possible for, for the whole business to go around. And in my yearly review with uh, Eric, he was telling me about how, how happy everyone is with me, both within the, uh, our organization and, uh, and the client uh, on the client side and how I take extra initiatives and I'm, I'm driven and so on. And then he paused and said, but Anna, you still have 35 years until you retire. Slow down. And I've, I've told this story tens of times by now, I think, and I still have goosebumps. And the thing is that when I started my business, just as you said, Lise, we need to push, right? We need to like to put extra. Uh, we need to go in a higher gear. And at some point, that story came up to me and I thought, I don't have any Eric in my life right now. I don't have that manager anymore who can say to me, it's okay to actually put some boundaries. It's okay to rest. We'll survive as a business. You don't need to bill for extra hours or something. You don't need to go into those extra hours. Just take it easier. We need you in the long run. And I d- understood that I need to be this Eric for myself in my own business. And as you said, please, we need people around ourselves because sometimes it just happens that we don't notice those things, uh, those patterns that we start doing too much. So we need to lean on to our dear ones or coaches or mentors, whoever it is in our life to actually help us stop. But at the same time, or like slow down, not really stop. But at the same time, we need to practice to be those Eric's for ourselves. 
So uh, really a, like a, a prompt for yourself to journal on or to think during your next walk, uh, dear viewers or listeners, who or how can I be that Eric for myself? Uh, really think about it. Write down a couple of strategies for yourself, how you could actually help yourself to slow down, to reflect on the pace and how you feel with that pace and, and find the strategies to actually uh, have a bit more balanced uh, life. So Henrik, you've been quiet for a while. So what, what would be your suggestions? How did you start going into the action from that period of realization? That's a very good question. There's, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in that, in that question that, that he had. Um, I think one how I how I think about it now when I when I realize okay I need to change whatever I'm doing I I try to go to what is the one thing what is, what is the one action that can set me up for change right mm -hmm. so because if I'm super stressed there's a lot to do everything's bombarded and I eat too much and I don't see friends I'm not there for my family and I don't exercise etc there's a lot of different things there's a lot of sort of battles to have at the same time and you <clears throat> can't do that and, and that's why my my go-to is if, <laughs> going back to the sleep if I, the fundamental is sleep because if i force myself for that one thing deep enough then i am mentally more uh, prone to then take good actions the day after and that sets mm -hmm. me off for then being able to take those actions but for me the core infection is really to get that enough sleep because then that works also, I know that when that goes out the window, that's where everything else can fall apart. Mm. Um, I also have to say, I think slow down and the amount of work and everything. I, I don't, I don't think it's so much about the amount. It's more how you sort of control it and what you do at that time. Mm. Um, coming back to the, the thing about prioritization, or or Olaf also talked about the amount of notification that comes in. If you choose to react to everything. Everyone else owns your time and your agenda and your attention. But if you you sort of set up this, you focus on this and this and why, then it's easier. It's also easier to do more because then the the work that you do and the quality, you know, your personal feeling of this makes sense to me. I, I end the day and I'm in a good place. That that is typically a good indication that then you're spending your time wisely. Then it doesn't matter if it's thirty one hour, two hours more or less. Because the quality is there, and a lot of one of the other things that I've seen in myself and also a lot through the organization is, yeah, you can get great reviews from others, but maybe that's a, not a good sign because it could also mean that you're always there to help them out and put everything aside you're working on to clear whatever they had. That means you're always there, pleasing and helping and letting their agenda control it, and that's a very nice skill, of course, to be helpful, but it can also be damaging because it can be you, know, you can hurt yourself in the long run that and sometimes you you guys know that more than me maybe but that thing about being helpful to others can also just be about hey i want to be liked so if i'm helpful then it means mm -hmm. that other people like me and if i say no then there's a chance that they don't like me and that's not a good that's not a good place to to operate from i think i think this is a very very important point that you're bringing up here henry thanks a lot for that it's good to be liked but as you said, sometimes this us getting on the hamster wheel and spinning, spinning too much and doing too much is because we are not liking ourselves and we need the external validation to feel good about ourselves, our life, our work and so on. And that is what we work a lot with my clients with building and strengthening their self-esteem so that they feel like, okay, maybe I haven't done everything on my to-do list, but it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person today. Exactly. Okay. And you know what? If you then, if you feel you're, 
you like yourself or whatever you've done is good, then you're also more likely to say, hey, I did something that's really cool here. And if you're able to say that, then you're also able to say, oops, I effed up. Here's my mistake. Here's where I, I, I was not perfect. And that I think that's a great, for me, that's a great place to be in where I can own my success and failures. And I, I just, I, as me as a leader, I see when, when I, I feel that I'm successful and the, the team is when they feel that they can do that. And I think both sides of that coin is important, owning the success and, and being open about the failures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you have to sort of have a sense of worth somehow. I don't know if I'm wearing totally off point. As, as no, absolutely. It, it, it is a part of this conversation and it's one of the foundational understandings that we need to get into our head to start shifting the things. So thanks a lot for sharing, Henrik. Uh, I want to get a bit of practical here with you before we go on to Roloff and his suggestions. When you realize, like, okay, sleep is this corner store ha- habit for me that if I fix that, a lot of other things will be easier to fix or they will fall fall off because they're not important anymore. How did you did it practically with getting to getting enough sleep? <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I can't really control when wake up. You have to be, we have a son that's six years old and mm-hmm. things have a waking, there's a specific waking time. So it's more about when you go to bed. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, that could be a challenge for me. And it still is sometimes because I'm very tempted to just uh, watch one more episode of that cool series on Netflix or something, right? Where it's, oh, it's just so difficult to say no to. But mm-hmm. when I do, then I just know then the next morning, then it's really, really cool. And also I wake up and I'm in a, I'm in a better place the day after. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think to talk about role of resilience and mental, good mental state or health, I think it also varies over time. And I think it really impacts how you, what you do around that will make you then be more resilient or less resilient, um, depending on sleep, for example. So for me, the, the, the key point where I really need to uh, make, a, make an effort is that, that time of night where instead of saying yes to the next episode i stop and then i go to sleep that's that's the only point where it's really difficult if i solve that then the next day it's much easier and then mm-hmm. the next day is easier and easier and easier and you talked about that you sometimes still slip right and and then mm-hmm. that by practice you have learned to accept that you slip and you don't really punish yourself for that mm-hmm. uh, but also you get back on track so how has that process been can you give us the tips on like what helped you like stop beating yourself up with that and, and get on track as soon as possible? Uh, I think it's just very helpful to not beat yourself over the head for too long and then just get on with it. I've I've always had that, I think, and then I've just used that more and more. And if, whether that or something happens in business or privately, it's just it's not the same as you don't care about what's happening. It's just a way for you to move forward and, okay, now we've learned this, so, so then then use that to then, then yeah, go forward with your life. Um, there was another point I wanted to make. I was about to say something brilliant, but now I've forgotten it. Then let's keep it then for the end. Yeah. <laughs> you try to remember. And then, uh, Rulof, what, uh, what would your uh, suggestions be from your own experience or from maybe you had some conversations with some of the founders you've been mentoring in all these years, how to get their health yeah. as a priority? Okay, so there's there's... Two things that I think I want to mention. So besides resilience, I think another another important uh, quality to have, which will help, which helps mental health, physical health, and maybe also, is perception. Your ability to perceive 
and the ability to frame things in a way that, that, that is useful for you. So I'll give you an example here. Let's take our own selves as an example. And we said, okay, we're going to discuss mental health. And then I think we almost immediately jumped into mental health issues. And that's and that started to frame the discussion and said, well, how do you fix the issues? And I think uh lease or I mean, I don't know, one of you anyway, you know, came up with the with the the oh no, you did actually with the, the hamster in the wheel, you know, and you know, we have to get off the um you know, get off the wheel and, uh, you know, which is running around and it's the poor hamster. So we're all working at this point in a discussion at a tactical level. But what we've done is we put ourselves into a, into a cage, into a cage that we're discussing. So what we did is we framed mental, and actually most mental health conversations go down this track, uh, which I actually think is the wrong track. I think if you do that, you actually do yourself and, and whoever you're talking with, you actually do a, you know, as I said, at, at the tactical level, you're doing great stuff. But at the strategic level, I think you might be screwing up because you really, what you've done is you've just tied mental health to mental health issues, which is at least 90% of the conversations that I, that, that, that I hear on mental health, which is also why I tune out sometimes. So what do you do? Um, the classical example I like, which I've actually used in my own, my own life for, I don't know, you know, from a child almost was once I heard somebody says, how do you dry a marsh in a, you know, wetlands? In, in, in the Netherlands, we have a lot of wetlands. And the, and the answer was, is you don't try to, to reduce the wetness, you try to increase the dryness. And that's the way you approach it. In other words, you don't look, so you, you don't look to try to, to, to lessen the weak points, generally speaking. You try your primary focus is trying to strengthen the strong points. Mm-hmm. So you look, uh, and that applies to many, many things. And as far as I'm concerned, that also applies equally to mental health. In other words, so really any mental health discussion, even though somebody comes to you with a, or you get a discussion about some issue, I notice that what I do with myself with others is I really try to switch it over in terms of, of increasing, improving the mental delights, mental health delights. What are your mental health delights? And what is your strategy to increase or to improve those delights? Because what happens, and this is just exactly the same uh, visual analogy as a marsh, is that as you build out those islands of dryness, you squeeze the wetness away. You, you automatically start framing your life so those things that are blocking the extension of dryness you automatically start to reduce them. But you're reducing them not as I say, oh, I need to get the witness out. You're, you're saying, no, I need to increase the, uh, as I said, my mental health benefits, and my delights. So you're really, your focus and your frame was, is how do I increase those delights? Uh, and as part of that, you will see, well, okay, maybe I need to reduce this aspect. And it's not just, oh, I need to reduce that. I need to stop something. Basically, it's not you're trying to stop things. You're trying to, start things you're trying to increase things you're trying to so for example if somebody you know people can work if they if you know they really enjoying what they're doing i mean they can work 14 hours a day and have no problem with that if if they're just so excited by what they're doing i mean it's, it's not it's 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 no longer the hamster wheel it's the it's the uh it's it's in the in the gym it's that is that training uh thing which uh increases your your strength and uh so uh, in terms of perception also, we say, well, look, you know, I need to push this. I need to push that. I always try to... Rolf, I'll, I'll pause you for a second. Uh, Henrik, you lifted the hand. You wanted to 
comment on that before Lorov moves on? Or yeah, just I just want a quick question. Do in in your work, Rolf, do the people you you engage do they do they normally know what great for them versus what's not working? Do they do they know that, or do they have to realize that before they can actually have a conversation with you about it? That's a question. Sometimes they don't, or no, it's maybe not that they. I think they do know it, but I don't think that they that their actions are in line with their knowledge. In other words, they are not doing. So they have these strategic goals. I think they're all kind of clear. So I would like, I'd love to do that. But if you look at their day-to-day actions, they do not align with those goals. There is no exactly. Problem. Exactly. I think that's that's a big part of it. That you some you actually know, but you, what you do every day is not aligned with that. So you don't increase the, the dry land actually. So you're not increasing. You're not looking out to increase in dry land, and you. Yeah. you and because you don't, you start to focus in on the wetlands and just, you know, how do I get out of this issue? How do I get out of that issue? And I'll finish what I was saying on the push versus pull. Uh, what I also try to do for myself with others is not that I want to push myself harder. I want to make sure things that there are things there. My perception is that I'm being pulled to do something. I just want to do it more. And that's, you know, I, you know, I, I, I want to, to, to maybe to, to, to run some circuit faster. So is, is that a push? It's a pull. There's, there's something innate in there. It's, I'm not doing this against my will. It's my will telling me to do this and uh, or telling me to do this. It's uh, inviting me to do this, and I'm doing that. So a lot of things, I think the stress comes when, I mean, if, as I say, if, you, if your life is put by pulls, in other words, you you just have so many things that are attracting you to do things and you focus on that, you know, it gives you energy. Uh, it's different than having to, to expend energy because you think, oh, I have to do this, I have to do this. It's when you can change the perception that I have to do this, but I, I want to do this. And if you're doing things that you, you know, that you have to do but you don't want to do, then of course that's the, the point where you need to see what can I reframe or, or restructure. I uh, have a lot of conversations about like, yeah, I know that training is good for me and moving my body is good for me, but all my hobbies are uh, intellectual and uh, like focusing on my uh, cognitive abilities and so on and so forth. And I hate training. I hate moving. So how would you reply to that role of with this concept of push and pull? If they don't naturally find the pull in activities and they say any kind of physical activity is like a push for me, how would you help like help them explore that? I guess I, I would just uh, I think start asking because that is not a natural that's not a natural position for people. There is mm-hmm. there people. I mean, it's it's a evolutionary course that it, it it makes sense to be physically healthy. So your your body, generally speaking, your mind is is geared, you know, to to staying in physical shape. So there are natural. So I think you'd want to understand why is somebody would they is it across the board. I mean, is there absolutely nothing that they want to do? And I, I, my feeling is that generally speaking, in the conversations you will have, you'll find that it's not completely true. That they hate everything. They do like some things. And then if you do find something, uh, if you don't find anything, okay, I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do. I think that's, I think there's then there is a, a, an issue, put it that way. There's mm-hmm. a, a problem there. There's something that's not going right. But generally speaking, my experience is that, at least I know, is people, you know, Almost everybody does want to do some physical stuff. And then you could start off that and say, well, okay, what, what do you like to do? And, uh, and you know, how, how can you maybe construct your life or your activities that you can build space 
and time and you know the ability to to build that and that you know and take it step by step of course that's that's you know just like the marsh it, it could take many years to dry it doesn't happen in one day so can you take it a little step further a little step further that's also you know the the basic trick there there's nothing about there's no silver bullet for that way and I want to talk about those little steps because what, what Henrik said about that people often realize, but then their daily actions go against their realization of what is good for them, right? I usually talk about jumping on the Mount Everest from the uh, valley in Nepal. That's how we high achievers quite often see the tasks and the ambitions of ours. We see where we want to get and we look at that Mount Everest and standing in, in, in some valley and thinking, I will never be able to jump there. And then they don't start. So they have this realization that, yes, this is where I want to get, but they they see it as one step. When in fact, getting to Mount Everest is a two-month expedition more most often than not. And you have so much training before those two months. And you you go back and you, or like you go up and then you go back, right? You need to acclimatize. You need to train more and so on and so forth. So take the first project or the milestone of getting to the base camp and get acclimatized there and then go up and then you come back and, and so on and so forth. And this is the practice that you, we need to do with everything that overwhelms us. Break it down into smaller steps that it becomes easier to start. What Hendrik said, he needed to change something in his lifestyle, right? Because it was not working. And he found one thing to shift and he focused on that one thing. And that helps you. It creates the momentum and creates you, generates energy for you to actually start doing the other things. But focus on that one thing and take it slowly, just as what Roloff said. You don't dry out the marsh in one day. It takes years. And sometimes we're so impatient, impatient. And I'm saying, if you're now taking three months to get into habit of walking, what Lise is talking so much about, it's not about the heavy lifting or whatever, it's getting more steps, more physical activity throughout day. If you focus for three months on getting that habit, and that serves you to be healthy and not be a vegetable towards your later years, and it actually helps you live healthily and happily for decades to come. Wasn't it worth this three month of effort of focusing on one little thing? So I would like to wrap up here because we're, we're getting to the end of the hour or we've already got there. But um, Henrik, did you remember the brilliant thing that you wanted to say? Or maybe you have some other input? Oh, oh sorry. No, I, I completely forgot about it. No, but I, I agree. And the reason why I go to sleep is because it is that one thing that helps me do all the other things that I want to do. And I agree with all of that. It's really focusing on what you what you want to do more of. It's, it's much more empowering than focusing on what you want to do less of. It's just this weird thing that we do where if we are stressed out, then we it seems like we, we do quickly go to removing the stuff that we actually like. So that's why we don't exercise enough or see friends or whatever. But I don't know why we remove that first instead of removing all some of the other stuff that we actually hate. Mm. I don't know. Please, do you have the wisdom words about that? Because you are teaching your clients to actually put themselves first and have those things that nurture us and energize us in our calendars? Yeah, well, absolutely. So I promote taking care of yourself first. Self-care is very important for everyone, not just leaders. But there, I think, starting your day with that take-you-time moment, like, uh, for example, Henrik said, I do my exercise in the morning. Even if you don't like exercise, you can stay, take that first step. And I promote walking. It's one of the things I promote. Um, there's more take-you-time uh, possibilities than just exercise it's it's more than that but taking that first step and like you say anna um if you go for a walk for example for three months every day you take half an hour walk you will see that your body will start giving you clues like 
it's time for your walk. It's just like a dog is used to having a, a lunchtime break and having a walk in the park. Your body will start craving it. And taking care of yourself first, first thing in the morning, sorry, I think that is what we need to do to take self-care first, because then we are more in touch with all the rest that comes up during the day and literally taking that first step towards ourselves, and also taking an active step, doing some exercise. Because like, um, I, don't, I don't know if you mentioned it, Anna, but people who have only intellectual hobbies like reading or doing things online, they also need activity. Because if you want to come up with brilliant, brilliant ideas like Henrik forgot about, maybe he would have remembered the brilliant idea if he would have more activity in his life. It's just an example. I think Henrik already takes a lot of exercise, but exercising, taking time off and moving your body gives you ideas. I get my best ideas and I do my best writing when I exercise. So Lise, you said about the starting in the morning, like or putting yourself first, first thing in the morning, right? Henrik, question to you, how did you start exercising in the morning? And that will be the last question from, from me. And, and that's a very egoistic question. As a mom of a toddler, uh, who also doesn't decide when your day, her day starts. <laughs> how did you build the training into your morning routine? I think it was, um, so I've, I've been playing football a lot and doing a lot of sports growing up, also being adults. And then after our son was born, then I was just much less time in the evening and I was less like uh, motivated to do it. And then when I tried to actually get up earlier and then do that exercise, it just felt like I've been, I don't know, been on some kind of a performance in, uh, improvement drug in the morning because it was like, whoa, this is really, really cool. And if I do that, then I don't need to have that extra hour of sleep because I can actually do this and then that empowers the rest of the day. So I, I tried it out and then I felt that impact. From it. Whereas if I how, train, how long just, did it take you uh, till you felt that impact? Did, was it days, weeks, months? The same. This the first day I did it, I, f- I could feel whoa, I feel better today than if I exercise in in the you know after work. It's the impact of it is just much bigger, mm-hmm. and that's why and that's really encouraging and motivating, right? If you can feel whoa, this really works, then you're more prone to do it uh, and do it and do it again. Rolf, how about you in the physical activity? You've had uh, an interesting experience with your uh, year goal this year, and now we're in mid-February, and uh, you want to share a bit about the experience of setting that goal and then getting to it? Which goal are you referring to? Uh, uh, with the running uphill. Oh, with the biking uphill. Yeah. Or biking, yes. Yeah, That's right. So uh, just in terms, so I'll say that, and i also say, actually, the word self-care, I think when you when you again change perception that what you're trying to do is is, is go to a, a space of self enjoyment. That's what it is that you're looking for. That your activities you should be enjoying. That's what you should be trying to do. That's when you get to the point where you enjoy it. Then there is no push anymore. It's a pull mm-hmm. because it's just fun to do. You feel better when you got that. You know, we said you start to, your body is craving it, so you enjoy doing it. That's what you're looking for. That's the pool you're looking for. It should never be the case that, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this to stay better. No, you want to do it. And that's the step you want to make. Um, okay, for my personally, I mean, I, we have a goal. I, I, I We call that the old men's group. So I do have the term old men in there. And, and once a year we go, uh, we, we, we go up into the Alps. So this year we're going back up to the to Mont Ventoux, which is in France. So it's a, it's a 1600 meter vertical climb. So you have to go one point, which is a 
which is pretty heavy, pretty heavy. And so you have to train a lot for that. And of course, the enjoyment for us. I mean, it doesn't really matter what time we have, as long as our time is a second quicker than the, the other guys. That's the important thing. So there's this macho behavior, this man-to-man fight on the mountain, which all makes it really enjoyable. And I think that's what you do. You, that's why this is important, because you, you actually, you know, you just make fun of the whole thing and you enjoy it. And that's really, so mental health, of course, is also, so we, I'll just wrap up on the set. So there's resilience, there, there's perception in terms of making sure that you get pulls, and there's this aspect of how do I create self-enjoyment? And, uh, and I think those are the things, if you if you have those three capabilities, that they uh, they can help you to, to making sure you that your mental health really does, does, does stay healthy and become healthier perhaps. I think it's a beautiful wrap up to what we have discussed. And I see that both, both you, Henrik and Lise, have been nodding to that conclusion. So maybe that's a good note to wrap up for today. I really am thankful to you for spending your precious time with us and sharing with our audiences. Let's uh, just stop there. Please feel free, uh, the viewers and listeners, comment to, on this uh, conversation so that we can continue the conversation online. And uh, Henrik, please, Roloff, thank you so much for your time and see you on online. Okay, thank you very much for letting us, uh, or letting me participate in any case. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Anna. It's great yeah. I enjoyed it. Thank you for the invitation. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Really great. Nice meeting you. you guys. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything 